0: So, Courtney and I would like to know, are you still interested in weight loss? So, if, if you are, we'll put it this way, we've changed our lives, have we? Yes. We have? Would you say that we've changed the lives of others? Yes. Would you say we've done it by doing things that the weight loss industry doesn't actually want you to know about? Yes. So, things like, well, you know, meal plans, not around here. no. Do we do marathon gym routines? No. Do we count calories? No. Okay. Um, do we do and focus on dieting?
1: This is a diet-free zone.
0: A diet-free zone? Yes. What about meal replacements and detoxes?
1: No, we're free of those too.
0: Okay. Could I interest you in bullshit gimmicks that make you hate life?
1: Definitely not.
0: What about cutting out different types of food groups and different color foods?
1: No. We are a diet-free zone.
0: We are indeed a diet-free zone. So would you agree then, Courtney, that we help people when it comes down to it by changing their habits?
1: Yes, absolutely. We talk about habits all the time. Habits can completely change the way that you look uh, You look at food, you think about food, you think and you do your exercise.
0: So it's common to think that good nutrition is about the food. It's actually about the habits. Mm-hmm. So if you change a person's habits, you will change the person. How do we know this?
1: Because we did it.
0: Exactly. We've done it. Uh, And now, if you are interested in weight loss yourself and really taking control and turning your life around for the first time now in what has to be at least 16 months, we're opening new spots for clients.
1: Yes. Big lot all at one time. Finally. Yes. It's
0: been quite a while now. So, we now have uh, officially 10 spots that we've opened up, only 10 for Anyone, anywhere in the world who's ready to be taken by the hand and guided through a life-changing transformation by us. Yes. Using none none of the gimmicks we just spoke about. No, not one. So there's a catch though. We don't just work with anyone. So we are very selective and we know who we work best with because we need to be able to relate to that person. Absolutely. So ideally, you should be able to relate to the following problems, shall we say. So if you've struggled with your weight for way too long and you've gone around in circles, then we'd like to hear from you. If you've got lingering injuries or conditions that you think are an obstacle to your success, we'd like to hear from you. If you've struggled to prioritize yourself and you find putting yourself first really, really hard and really challenging, even though you know you need to do it, we'd like to hear from you. If you've thrown a lot of money at diets, ineffective PT programs and gimmicks with no return on investment, but you are ready to invest in the best investment in the world, which is what? Yourself. Yep. We would like to hear from you. If you are scared and intimidated by the big gym environment, but over time, you'd like to learn and develop the confidence to walk into any gym and just smash it, knowing what you're doing and get out of there and live your life. We want to hear from you because we work well with that type of a person. But also, finally, if you struggle with time management and you're scared that you just don't have the time to lose the weight even though you want to, we want to hear from you. Does that sound reasonable, Courtney? I think so. Great. So if this is you, then we want to hear from you. We would encourage you to go to online.totaltransformations.com.au Pop your details in there at the bottom of the page and answer all the questions that you get asked on page two.
1: Answer the questions in as much detail as possible.
0: Tell us everything. Tell us your life story because the more we know about you, the more we're able to tell you know, who you are, where you've come from, where you want to head to. But also most importantly, above anything else, it gives us the idea if we can genuinely help you change because we're not going to waste our time or your money if we know we can't help you. Mm. So that website is online.totaltransformations.com.au pop your details in there if we think we're able to help you and we can really you know, assist you in making a life-changing transformation, we'll be in touch and we will go from there. The only catch is we're looking to start these 10 new clients by the 11th of June. So it needs to be people who are ready to get stuck into it and get stuck into it soon. So if this is you, talk to us and let's get this show on the road.
1: Yeah. I was upset. I didn't think I had what it takes.
2: It took a while to admit anything was wrong.
1: Diet and exercise sounded intimidating.
2: But small, easy goals made it easy to start.
1: Every situation is different. There are many paths to victory, but the end goal is all the same. This is the Weight Loss Podcast with Matt and Courtney, a couple who committed to a strategy and lost a combined 100 kilograms. When it comes to weight loss, you don't just need encouragement, you need a strategy.
0: Hello, you are listening to The Weight Loss Podcast, not to be confused with a weight loss podcast, The Weight Loss Podcast. Uh, my name is Matt, uh, my name has always been Matt, and as far as I know, will always will be Matt. With me is my co-host, my beautiful wife, uh, and some might say my overlord, Courtney.
1: Yes, that's me.
0: Hello dear, how are you going?
1: Excellent, thank you.
0: So we're we're having an episode where we are discussing something that, quite frankly, I'm surprised we haven't brought up before now.
1: I agree. Just when we think that we're sort of, oh, what are we going to talk about next? You know, we've done all of the really good topics, and then we sit down and look at it and we think, no, (laughs) we've we've got so many more We've barely scratched the the surface. (laughs) Uh, It would
0: just appear that every time we plan for an episode, we just think, you know what? How have we not spoken about this by now? Holy shit, we are the worst. Yes. So we would like to welcome you to the worst health and fitness podcast on the internet where the hosts just don't know what the fuck they're doing. (laughs) Is that us?
1: No, that is not us. But I am very excited to talk about cravings today.
0: Yes, we're going to talk about how to conquer cravings. Cravings are a major problem. Yes. That no doubt you have struggled with uh, in the past. Chances are you might struggle with them uh, at the present.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Uh, Courtney, I do know this is a topic that you can speak to personally.
1: 100%. I have been someone who have, has always struggled, struggled with cravings and continue still to have to monitor that and make sure that, that the, the cravings still don't get out of hand. Cravings for me, and I know you talk about cravings, I mean, I think that, they, that means different things to different people. It depends what you. Crave for me—it's always been sweet things, so ice cream, chocolate, um, cookies, cakes, those sort of sugary things, things have always been my go-to cravings.
0: Well, I think for the for the interests of this episode and this podcast, the weight loss podcast, we will define a craving as a strong desire for a particular food. Yes. As compared to just hunger, where any sort of food will hit the spot. Correct. It's that uncontrollable urge and desire for something specific.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's where I mean, though, for me, it was always the sweets and those sort of specific things. But when you talk about cravings, that's a perfect way to define it, Matt, because that is... It, it can mean different things for different people. Some people are more savoury people. Some people... It, it comes well, down to soft drinks or something like that. It, it's it's it can mean different things for different people in terms of the specifics.
0: The specific, yeah, the specific is individual, yeah, um, to to each person. But I think that definition we just read off really hits the spot.
1: Perfect, yeah.
0: So I suppose the first thing that I want to just kick kick things off with, talking about cravings, is that they're normal. Oh yeah. No matter who you are, uh, no matter what point you're at or how advanced you may think you are, this, this is normal. 100%. Uh, I'm, I'm yet to work with anyone who hasn't gone through them. Um, so, Courtney, you just mentioned that you've had uh, cravings for sweets. Yes. Through your life. Mm-hmm. Can you give a bit of a background in terms of how it's affected you? But also, when I say how it's affected you, uh, in your experience, what triggered it? Or what triggers it?
1: I have always been a bit of a sweet tooth. I've always preferred sweet to savory. And growing up, there was always a lot of sweets in the house, so I grew up eating a lot of sweets. And then as I get got older and older, it uh, it just can it just got worse really. The older I got, the more independent I got so I could buy my own food and would make my own choices I would choose the sweet things and I would buy a lot of sweet things so it just it, it actually got worse as I got older because I was able to to get my hands on that more myself so in terms of when it would come up emotional eating has always been a big issue for me uh, I've spoken about it in many different episodes of this podcast so and I, and I would always develop emotional eating if I was down or if I was feeling lonely or if I was feeling sad or anxious about things. I went through a big uh, period there in my late teens to early 20s where I suffered a lot from anxiety. So whenever I was anxious or whether I was feeling yeah worried or, or down, I would binge on sweets. So, and I'm talking binge, like... I would eat a litre of ice cream while I was watching TV.
0: Pretty good effort.
1: Like, it was, it was a full binge and I would know it was wrong, but I just wanted it. It was like, that, that's why I think that your, your definition there was perfect because it, it wasn't even a hunger thing. It was a desire to have that particular thing and I wanted it and I was going to eat it. Mm. So even though I knew it wasn't going to do anything for me, So that is, uh, yeah, most of my triggers with the binge style of eating um, sweets came from, yeah, my emotional triggers. Uh, But then just in terms of general sweets, I I think I honestly got addicted to the sweets, if that makes sense, Matt. Yep. So every time I would say be out on the road, I had a job in my early 20s where I was out on the road a lot. Going from from job to job, so I would often eat out. So I would we I would get takeaway, anything like that. But you'd usually have maybe an ice cream to go with it, or Mm. you would go and I would go and have Subway, but then I'd have your three cookies after it, or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Or I would get more cookies because I'd take them in the car with me, so I could eat them throughout the day. Um, or, Or you know, I'd go and get something. Uh, a salad for, for lunch, but then I'd have to get some sort of cake or slice or something for after it. So there was always sweets that accompanied a lot of my food. It was always, you know, you have, I have my food, but then I have sweets afterwards. It just became almost a habit and it became to a point where my body was so used to it that I couldn't have even imagine not having sweets.
0: Mm. Uh, for me... Uh, I have never really had any issue with craving foods. Mm. I've, it's never been any sort of pull for certain a certain desire. The closest that I could compare myself was what sort of triggered me being diagnosed as a type two diabetic. I did have a craving uh, leading into that into that for uh, coke and fizzy drinks, mm. where I just had this this urge to just keep. Drinking liter after liter of coke, mm. and it, it, it was just a compulsion, mm. and that sort of I think accelerated my diagnosis as that type 2 diabetic. Outside of that, um, I've, I can't recall ever, even when I first started, I can't recall ever. Having cravings for any any certain types of foods, and I, I think even though we'll get a bit more into this t- as we get through this episode, I think without realising it, what helped me at the time was replacing because I, I also have a sweet tooth.
2: Mm. Uh,
0: I will always be a sweet tooth, uh, much like Courtney. I do love actually. You know what? I'm more than a sweet tooth. Anything like I love sweet and savoury. Yeah, uh, but but you know, like I do still love. You know, I love chocolate. Um, I love ice cream. Mm. Uh, Mars bar cakes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so there's the, the taste for it is still there, but I've I just never had never had this sort of urges or cravings to, to go and hit that stuff. and I think because I replaced the sweetness that I love, yeah in what I eat. Um, and that's something we'll get into as we get through this through this episode in terms of when we start talking about uh, restrictions and how that can sort of lead to to binge eating and cravings, uh, I would, without realising that it was a good thing to do, was replacing um, a lot of my junk sweet foods with uh, things like fruit. Yeah, okay. Fruit, berries, etc., which has a natural sweetness to it. Um, I mean, it's a different episode where we talk about, you know, is there too much sugar in fruit? Hint, the answer is no. But there is still a natural sweetness that comes with a lot of fruit, and I'm a fan of tropical fruit, as Courtney will back me up on, Mm. Um, mangoes, peaches, pineapple, apricots, like oranges, navel oranges, like any of that stuff's really good to me. So I was replacing the sweet junk food that I would have on a day-to-day basis with a lot of um, sweet fruits Mm. and then just didn't have the compulsion to go back to those sort of sweet junk foods. And I think looking back on in hindsight, that was really, uh, that was smart. I can't say it was deliberate because I'm not that smart. There's not the time I wasn't because I wasn't trained in anything. But that really helped mm. a lot. Uh, so it was just the it was just the Coke leading into the, the diabetes diagnosis. It was really a, a big deal. And I that I can re- remember where all I wanted was to just crack open a bottle of Coke and just put it away. Yeah. Non-stop. So what we'll do now is... With the structure of this episode, um, I want to sort of just quickly touch on the fact that even though I, we just said the cravings are normal, yes, they are. Uh, giving into cravings can often be normal because that affects all of us. Uh, so if you struggle with that in the past or present and you're sort of beating yourself up for it, I recommend not doing, it, not doing that because you're just like everyone else and it's okay. Uh, when it comes to cravings, I think really it's just a case of understanding Uh, that they're often a behavioral pattern. Yes. So what we're going to do here is we're going to talk about what triggers, what can be triggers for cravings and what you can do to sort of overcome those triggers. Mm. So I'm going to start to, I'll I'll sort of take charge on this one, Courtney, work our way down um, the list of triggers that we've got. Yeah, sounds good. And and where they come from. I want to get caught in your perspective because uh, cravings have affected you way more than they've affected me. Yeah. Uh, I want to get on each trigger any sort of personal feedback um, that you've got. Yeah, cool. From that. But I'll also um, chime in with my perspective of working with people on overcoming these things when it comes to these success tips.
1: Yep, sounds and good. And how it
0: relates to client success that we've had. So, all right. Step one here is, let's now start to look at cravings um, as a behavioral pattern. And the behavioral pattern will start with triggers. Once you can identify a trigger, you can start to see where your cravings are coming from and start to implement things to, to deal with it. Mm. So the first trigger I wanna talk about is, when talking about cravings, is, it, is a craving you being hungry? Or is it a habit? Mm. So let's just start off with the fact that it has been proven that cravings have nothing to do with nutritional deficiencies. So when Courtney, for example, if she craves chocolate and peanut butter ice cream, it's not because her body is nutritionally deficient in chocolate, (laughs) peanut butter, ice cream. Mm -hmm. Fair?
1: Damn. I wish that was true. (laughs) (laughs)
0: So, a lot of people will talk, and I've heard you say this in the past, Courtney, a lot of people will talk about how their body needs it. Yes. I need chocolate. Yes. I need a hamburger. I need (laughs) a a Mars bar cake. You know what I mean? Actually, you don't. There's no no clinical deficiency in chocolate, Mm. for example. Um, So, we know that cravings aren't, often they're not really associated with being hungry because it's a specific type of food that you want. They're more a habit. So a habit is often caused by a situation. So let's say, for example, when uh, I was younger growing up, as I was getting um, fatter and fatter, I had a habit where after dinner, no matter how full I may have been, I would have a big bowl of ice cream with the chocolate ice magic on top of it. I wanted it, I enjoyed it, but it was also a habit. So Courtney, I know you can speak to this in terms of the habitual nature of, of a craving where you would know, put away, for example, you said a liter of ice cream. Mm. In your experience in the past, did you ever know, thinking about it now, do you, do you remember any sort of times where you think a lot of your cravings came about from situations or like a habit, like a trigger from a habit? Oh, Most of it, I think, was, was habitual. Detail, please.
1: 100%. Well, you think about most of uh, what I ate in terms of sweets was often after a meal. So for me, that was just a habit. Like if I've already eaten, I'm not necessarily hungry, like sitting there starving. I've just eaten. But... It just became a habit for me that after I ate, I had something sweet. It became a habit for me, like at the time when I had that job where I was on the road a lot and I was driving, I would often, you know, you stop for petrol and you get sweets to put them in the car to snack on throughout the day. Like, that was just a habit, definitely. I mean, I could have definitely had food instead of snacking on sweets. So it it was... Maybe in those sort of situations, it was a hunger, but the habit was the fact that it was just normal for me to get sweets. Mm. Like that was just what I usually did, you know? So like if I go to Subway and I have Subway for lunch, I don't technically need to have cookies afterwards. Like I wasn't that
0: hungry. But that was the routine, wasn't it?
1: But that was the routine. That's just what I did. And I would get extras so I would have them in the car throughout the day. So I could snack on them again.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and then, yeah, so definitely when it comes to a lot of those sort of things, it was habit, you know. I'd go over to my parents' house. My parents always have lollies at their house, always have sweets. It's been since I was a kid. They have always kept a lolly jar on the kitchen bench full of lollies. And so every time I would go over to my parents' house, even after I moved out, you go back to my parents' house and you just go and get a lolly from the lolly jar. Mm. And I'm not doing that because I'm hungry. I'm doing that because that's just what I do. When you go to mum and dad's house, you go and get a lolly out of the lolly jar.
2: Mm.
1: So most of, I think, what I what what mine were, apart from, I think, the emotional eating side of things, which I think were probably a different trigger, all of that, so most of my my personal story with cravings, would come back to habit.
0: All right, that's, um, that's pretty cool that you shared that. So, it, there, it is a podcast that we will do um, a bit more of a deep dive into, but just in terms of habits, just understand that habits are pretty much broken down into three phases. You've got the trigger, you've got the routine, and you've got the reward. So, when we're looking here at your craving potentially being a habit or hunger... You want to look at what what situation could be causing these cravings. As so, Courtney just said the habit for her was go to Subway to get the cookies. My habit was have dinner, then have ice cream without thinking about it. Mm. So have a look at your at your habits here. So you might have you might have a regular craving that comes up. Is there something that, is there something here that causes it? Mm. Be it a situation, a you know, like a a place that you're at, people that you're with, something that you're doing.
1: I think sometimes in those situations as well, Matt, it, it 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 forms less of a traditional craving sort of sensation and more of a expectation. Oh. That I mean, it still fits under cravings, but when it becomes that habitual, I think sometimes you don't even look at it as a craving. You look at it as well. This is just what I do. You know, I have dinner and then I have ice cream. That's just what I do.
0: Well, it's habit, isn't it? Exactly. That's habit. So you have to understand as well that when it comes to to cravings and habits, uh, the environment that you're in is a major factor mm. in that. So, uh, Courtney, you spoke about uh, proximity eating. Yeah. Uh, in your, your struggles episodes recently. Uh, proximity eating is a big thing that plays a, plays a role um, in potentially the habit of this sort of, you know, binge eating slash cravings eating. Uh, So I think the first sort of success tip that I really want to sort of give here when when we're talking about, you know, is it a hunger or is it a habit is look at your environment.
2: Mm.
0: Are there ways to change your environment? So having, having the rule of proximity is a big one. So for example, it's pretty easy to have cravings and give in to them and have these habits that will play out if you're putting these types of foods in the shopping trolley. Every week at the supermarket, which is then creating an environment at home where where these foods are around. Yeah, and you know they're around. And when you are hungry or tired or are feeling rather emotional, what's the first thing you're gonna reach for? The worst thing. Correct. The worst thing that's in there. So, tip number one is look at your environment. Are there things? Are there ways that you can improve your environment? Mm
2: -hmm.
0: In terms of what are you buying? What are you cooking? Uh, even uh, I think food prep and meal prep, Courtney, is a big one. Yeah. In this instance, because it's it's pretty easy to start to to work around the habits of of you know, cravings, so to speak, uh, if if you're well prepared on most occasions and has something more sort of congruent with your goals to reach for. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Right. I would also, before I move on to the next one, not just the environment at home, but work.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: The office um, staff room or tea room. Are there things in there that are, that are sort of creating an environment that can lead to potential routines uh, and cravings of what's in there?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So I, I did have that a lot when I used to work uh, in, in the office
1: mm-hmm.
0: before I became a PT. And, you know, when you work in an office with any sort of, you know, decent number of staff, you can't expect the office sort of staff room to have only food that suits you. That's just not going to, that's not realistic. Yeah. So what helped me to avoid those sort of temptations was bringing my own food into work with me and being prepared. Yeah. So making sure that that my work environment, you know, closely matched as possible my home environment. Mm-hmm. So then if I you know, walk into the staff room to have lunch, for example, I've brought my own lunch with me. I'm not relying on the, the sweets or the pastries yeah. that are being brought out. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. The, uh, the next potential trigger uh, for cravings can be low blood sugar.
2: Mm.
0: So for a lot of people, uh, taking note of when you have your cravings, the time you have them during the day, can give you pretty good clues on how to to conquer them. So, how often do we, Courtney, have clients that, for example, have uh, energy slumps mid afternoon? Yeah, we call it the three pm crash. Yeah, lots. Lots. Some people have it in the mid morning. Mm. Uh, I put from my experience as a trainer, I I don't think it's as common as the mid afternoon slump, but I have seen it. Yeah. Have you gone through that yourself at all? leading to... Oh, like a, a mid-morning or a mid-afternoon energy slump?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
0: Details, please.
1: Well, I think back... It more so happened... doesn't really happen as much anymore. Uh, but, but back it, back when it did? Back when it did, uh, because what I would do is I'd try to limit the amount of food that I ate. So... Really? In between breakfast and lunch, and then lunch and dinner, I'd try not to eat. And that, would, that wouldn't work very well didn't work very well why Um, because I would get hungry and funny that instead of thinking about eating food yeah. I would just snack on what sweets um, uh-huh. chocolate bars cookies uh, uh, pastries you know whatever whatever I was around because again as I said around that time I was working in a job where I travelled a lot so I would stop and get petrol and I'd get a couple of chocolate bars to have in the car or I would stop somewhere for lunch and I'd always make sure that I took something with me afterwards to have in the car, you Mm. know, when I was on my way back to the office or something like that. So, yeah, I always would snack on things in between, you know, those times because in my brain I thought, you're not supposed to be eating now, so I'm not going to have a full meal, I'm just going to have a snack. Mm. So... I would definitely, if I didn't do anything like that, I was definitely a very grumpy person Okay. in the afternoons, for sure.
0: So, as like I said before or touched on before, the time of day where you have uh, these cravings, and, and which often come about from these energy slumps, uh, reveals where the problem is.
2: Mm.
0: It, it reveals itself in terms of what you, you have or have not eaten that particular day. So this is where we talk about uh, our friend Protein, who we like a lot.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) Protein is the friend of anyone who wants to uh, lose weight and improve their health. So it's been shown in research that Protein is the most effective macronutrient, proteins, carbs, fats, the most effective macronutrient at stabilizing blood sugar levels. So if you have that mid-morning energy slump, that is an indication of a low-protein breakfast.
1: Mm, yes.
0: Very similar is if you have the mid-afternoon slump or what we call the 3 p.m. crash and the, or the 3 p.m. sugar craving. That is a characteristic of not enough protein in all the meals leading up to then.
1: Yeah, which I think is... That's why that one's so common because there's so many people that don't eat protein for breakfast. They'll have cereal or, or toast. Or nothing. Uh, or nothing. And then you ha- usually have lunch and then a lot of people will have like a sandwich or so- or something along those lines. And they might have a little bit of protein in it, but it's very minimal. Mm. So you're right, by the time you get to that three, four o'clock in the afternoon stage, you know, the coffee's not cutting it anymore and <laughs> the body's just really starting to struggle.
0: Yeah, so just increasing, uh, having a high proportion of quality protein in in your meals, leading either up to the afternoon or for your breakfast if the struggles in the morning, increasing the protein in the meals is going to have uh, a great effect on stabilizing that blood sugar. Mm. Um, But also, it also provides um, a better sort of stimulus for fat burning. But also makes you feel fuller for longer. Yes. The protein has some really good effects on just feeling satisfied. With what you're eating, and you know, not wanting to go back for more, mm. for example, uh, so that's something that, that we do a lot with our clients over time is gradually bump up the protein intake uh, in their meals. Mm. Now, obviously, there are different types of protein out there, and we're not going to get into the specifics of it. Um, but with the individuals that we work with, you know, we talk about you know the type, timing, quantity, quality, etc. of protein needed to overcome this. While also accelerating, you know, strength gains, recovery, fat loss, etc. But um, just for the interest of this episode, bumping up your protein intake in your meals is going to help with these um, these mid morning, mid afternoon cravings or energy slumps.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and it'll just stop you from then just reaching for the for the first thing that you see, which is, as we discussed, Matt, usually the worst thing that yeah. you could grab.
0: Yep. Okay, so the next sort of trigger that can be responsible for cravings is being an evening eater. So stop me if this sounds familiar. Right. So during the day, I'm fine. I'm so busy. I just don't don't think about food. I'm not hungry. But when I get home at night, I just can't help myself. I eat everything that's in sight. So... Chances are you have been an evening eater in the past. I know. I certainly have been. Courtney, I bet you have been as well. <laughs>
1: yes.
0: Um, you touched on the leader of ice cream. Yes. That was your one of your evening go tos.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. That was usually a night thing.
0: Uh, a question for you, Courtney, uh, mm. from back then, mm. when you were having, when you were that sort of evening eater, what was your usual breakfast? Toast. Was it always toast? Did you ever skip breakfast or? Yeah.
1: Sometimes I would skip it. If I woke up late and I was running late or something like that, I would just skip it. Yep. And then um, otherwise, I would might just have like a piece of toast or something like that.
0: Yep, I thought you might say that. Uh, most people, where the, uh, the evening eater comes into it, it's because most people will either you know, skip breakfast or have something entirely unsatisfying,
2: mm.
0: um, grab something on the go for lunch, Yes. You know, from the office staff room or the the pie van that pulls up.
1: The tuck truck. Oh, the tuck
0: truck. There's an old one. (laughs) Um, But then they come home in the evening. They're tired. Yes. Probably a bit emotional from a tough day at work.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: And they're bloody hungry. Starving. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, That's where, you know, skipping meals and having these unsatisfying meals through the day um, have a negative effect on appetite control.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, And when you have someone, no matter how good you might think your willpower is, if you're tired and you're hungry and you have any sort of stress, I could put anything in front of you and you'll take it.
1: Oh, 100%. The thing is, well, then you overeat. So it's not just you wouldn't just usually eat just your one portion size. You come home and binge. You come home and you usually have have an over portion size. As you said, Matt, eat whatever's in front of you. And then you would usually... Well, I did usually have something after dinner as well.
0: Oh, you go nuts. Yeah. And I mean, I've, I've had this in the past with plenty of clients that I've spoken to where they find, you know, they have massive, massive, massive meals in the evening mm. and desserts to come after it, but through the day, have had nothing. And I'll, it's, the question is, oh, what's your breakfast normally? Oh, don't have breakfast. Mm. So that's a trigger. Yes. That is absolutely a trigger for being an evening eater is, you know, skipping meals through the day and quite frankly is not eating enough. So a strategy to overcome that is to increase meal frequency
1: Mm. through the day. Yeah, absolutely. So so if
0: you eat more through the day, uh, it's going to regulate your appetite and make, you know, overeating in the evening far easier to control, far easier. Yep. So this is one of the reasons why we recommend and we help coach our clients over time to gradually increase their meal frequency. Mm. Now, if you're the sort of person that's eating once, maybe twice a day, and Courtney and I will eat six times a day, you're not going to go from one meal a day to six straight away. That's ridiculous. You're going to feel like shit. Yes. But slowly, gradually over time, increasing that frequency, like if you have one meal a day, you just go to two. If you have two, go to three. Just go that one more and let your body adjust to it. And you can slowly and systematically increase that frequency over time. That will have a dramatically positive effect on overcoming and conquering that sort of evening eater routine.
1: Mm. Yeah, fantastic tip.
0: Okay, the, the next trigger... That can trigger cravings. Uh, trigger cravings. Easy for me to say. <laughs> is one that affects everyone. You can't avoid this. It is stress. Yes. No one is immune to stress. I don't care how good you think you are, or how easy your life may or may not be. We all have different types of stress.
1: Yes, hundred percent. Work,
0: friendships, relationships, children. Things come up. How we view ourselves. Random situations. Mm-hmm. The old. The old shit happens. Things in life where. You know, got a flat tire, or in my case, I just got my car stuck in the mud oh, and need help getting it out. We, we, what's that?
1: That was a disaster.
0: Yep. So you know, shit happens.
1: <laughs>
0: but stressful situations do influence food choices. Yeah, and in I a think, big, big way.
1: I think also just beyond uh, particularly stressful situations, and I, I spoke, as I said at the start of this podcast, when I was in my late teens, early twenties. I suffered from quite bad bouts of anxiety. Mm -hmm. So obviously anxiety manifests itself into stress as well. So I would go through these really bad sort of periods where I would get myself all worked up over things. I would worry to myself sick. Literally, sometimes almost worry myself sick about things. I would stress about how you know certain people were going to feel about things. I would convince myself that certain situations were going to happen when there was no evidence to suggest that it was ever going to happen. But I would convince myself in my mind that that bad things were going to happen. Um, and yeah, it was just it was a really hard time, and that is when I um, really started to get big on the binge eating again which was through those situations of stress and anxiety. Because also when you suffer, I think, from stress and anxiety, depending on how bad it is, you can also that can also affect your sleeping patterns. So then obviously Matt, when you're tired, you you that that affects also your decision making when it comes to cravings. So that all combined would lead me to eat a lot of of, uh, sweets, Mm. uh, definitely in a binge-style way.
0: Yeah, okay. So, I know for me, um, stress has shown itself in many ways. Mm. Work, uh, arguments, even Mm -hmm. just arguments with you, Courtney, stresses both of us out. Yes. Arguments with other friends. Yes. Bad day at work. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And I... I don't think there's a single person that hasn't been affected by this. So to me, when we're talking about, like we spoke, I just touched on before habits, working on, you know, habit, the habit loop is, you know, the, the trigger, the routine, the reward. Often it is hard to remove triggers for stress. So for example, if work causes stress, we can't exactly say stop working. Yeah. If if loved ones occasionally cause stress, which they do, no matter how well you get on with them,
1: mm-hmm.
0: like what do we do? Remove our family from our lives? <laughs> Sometimes yes, <laughs> Sometimes. but you know, not really a realistic thing. No. So we can't exactly. In a lot of in some circumstances, we can't exactly remove the trigger for these stresses, mm. which means we have to look at a strategy for how we respond to the stresses. Mm. So there are two, um, two ways to approach this that have been very, very successful, um, both of which I can speak to from. And I said, actually, I think you can too, Courtney. Mm. Um, the first sort of uh, tip that we've got, if you're finding that stress is bringing about this emotional eating and these cravings, exercise.
1: Yes. That is one thing I did not do during that period of time in my life, was to do any exercise.
0: And the thing is, when we talk about exercise, we're not talking about... This doesn't need to be going out there and flogging your body and doing no. an intense workout. Um, it's been shown in research that even just a seven-minute walk was enough to uh, you know, sort of pull back uh, on stress-related eating. Absolutely. And, just a seven-minute walk, just around and, the block.
1: And you know what? Just going around the block, and it does work because I take the dog for a walk around the block.
0: Which we're doing today.
1: And which we are doing today. and it, And it is amazing on how... How much you just calm down by doing stuff like that. For sure. And it is, it is a really nice feeling just to do that.
0: Well, I found this helped me um, stress from work. Mm. Where in the past, um, when I was really inconsistent with my exercise, I would use the stress from work uh, as an excuse not to go and do my exercise. So I'd just bypass the gym and go straight home and eat shit and play video games. Yeah. Once I sort of, you know, got a bit more committed to, you know, doing doing my my training, I would just I just started to notice that I walk into the gym and I might have had a bad day at work, but I would unload that stress in the weight room. Yeah. Or in like an intense cardio session and I would always go home feeling like a million bucks. It's sort
1: of like you 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 build up that that energy and you use it Positively. Positively in a different way. Yeah. So stress and anxiety is, is a tremendous amount of energy that is sort of built up in your body. Mm. And then to be able to filter that through into something that can be useful rather than it just sit there is, uh, is definitely beneficial.
0: Yeah. So uh, exercise is, is a really you know, proven successful um, strategy Stress related eating. Uh, so, I would say when you're stressed, don't use that as an excuse to not do your workout. Use that as even more of a reason to go and do it.
1: Yeah, for sure. Go
0: and take out your frustrations at the gym, get some appropriate music pumping, or listen to a great podcast we like to call the Weight Loss Podcast mm. um, and unload your stress on inanimate objects.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: That will actually, so it really is like a, a two fold sort of victory because you're dealing with your stress levels. Actually, threefold because you're dealing with your stress levels, you're taking away stress-related eating and you're helping take steps towards your goals. Mm. Win, win, win. But as I said, it could be something as simple as a, you know, a 7 to 10-minute walk. Just go and do something active. Yeah. The other success strategy that's been proven is uh, the number one supplement of all time, whey protein. Yes. Increasing uh, whey protein in, uh, intake... Increases tryptophan, which is the precursor for serotonin production, um, which is uh, an effective uh, strategy for dealing with things like or ho- coping with depression
1: mm.
0: and being down with your mood. Yes. So what, we like, we, what Courtney and I like to do with our clients, if we see that there is um, a bit of a low protein intake, is just say to them, for example, with your meals, have like half a scoop of whey protein. Yes. In the case of stress, uh, you know, whey protein supplementation has been shown to help relieve stress and anxiety. Mm. So another reason here to probably bump your protein intake up, look at getting a good jar of whey protein. I would probably say combine that with your exercise. Yes. And you're taking some really positive steps forward to for sort of conquering these you know stress-related cravings.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah? Yes,
0: Okay, here's a big one, Courtney. A big trigger. Yes. Deprivation.
1: Mhm.
0: I think personally, this is the biggest one.
1: I think so too. Yeah, it's it's pretty close for me in terms of stress and uh, habits, but deprivation I think still beats out everything else because I mean if if like I, I think I mentioned before, if I'm I would try to not eat between breakfast and lunch. And so, of course, I would get hungry. Mm. And in, in my mind, you weren't supposed to be eating more than three times a day. So if I didn't have a meal, then it wasn't technically having more food. I was just snacking. In my mind, it made sense that that was okay. And of course, I'm not going to snack on something that's good. I'm going to snack on, on sugar and chocolate and things like that. And in my mind, it always sort of, I was able to pass it off as being an okay thing. But it really all just came back down to the fact that if I had increased my meal intake, that I wouldn't have felt hungry and I wouldn't have eaten
0: sweets. Well, the thing is, when I talk about deprivation, I'm also talking about cutting. Yeah. So that's it. Starting on Monday, I'm, no cut- sugar. I'm cutting out all sugar. Okay. Everything
1: sweet is gone.
0: But if you if you okay, you cut out you cut out all sugar on Monday. By Wednesday, what do you think you'll be craving?
1: Correct. And I've also done that before. I've said no, no more, no more chocolate, no more sweets. I'm not having any of it. And
0: what do you want the most?
1: Oh, just that. Like I've gone before trying to cut it down. No, I'd be I'd be lucky to last three days. You know, like it just was never going to happen.
0: Yep. So often, this is really a discussion about what people think is the effective way to lose weight, which mm-hmm. is cut, 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 deprive, eat less and exercise more. Yes. Now that, that plays strongly into cravings and it goes right up there alongside with this deprivation we're talking about. Mm. And The thing is, it's been shown in research that people who are heavily dieting, heavily restricting and depriving and restricting their, their energy intake or go long periods of time without eating they're driven to see a reward from food more than those people who eat on a regular basis.
2: Mm.
0: There's been brain imaging done in people that have undergone, let's call it self-imposed calorie restrictions, i.e. cutting back and eating a whole lot less. These brain images are shown increased activity in regions of the brain are responsible for attention, reward valuation, memory, etc., and these same responses were significantly increased when these people were viewing images of palatable food versus non-food images, which let's what, translate that to English. People that were cutting and depriving and taking things away from themselves, their brains were showing a greater desire for junk. Mm. And these responses were heightened again when people were in a confirmed restricted condition. Which means if we're depriving and cutting away and I think a lot of people being really sort of heavily, heavily cutting back calories, there's, there's an increased sort of reward value in our mind of high fat, high calorie foods when we're, when we're restricting, mm-hmm. when we're depriving. The same thing was also shown for people who were doing this for longer periods of time. So when people were shown these images of palatable foods versus non-food images areas of their brain were, were brain activity were heightened hmm. meaning they want eat more. Hmm. So the take-home message here is: the more you're cutting, the more you're depriving, the more you're taking away, is a very easy, almost surefire way to increase cravings for the yes. crap foods that are holding you back. Mm-hmm. So, what's a success strategy here, Courtney? Very simple: don't deprive.
1: No, yeah, you, you have to you have to limit everything in moderation, but. It's moderation, not deprivation. Well, you
0: know what? I'm going to go a step further than that. And rather than even use the word moderation, I'm going to say don't cut, replace.
1: Well, yes. That is also a factor.
0: So I spoke... That people
1: cut, 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 and then they don't replace it with Well, anything. I
0: spoke before about how I... When I was um, really getting serious about you know losing the weight and getting in shape, I was, re- without realizing I was doing it, was replacing my you know, sweet, high-fat, calorie-dense... Foods with more unprocessed yes. sweetness, like fruit. Yeah. And then more into vegetables, etc. Mm. And that still helps me now.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. I mean, Courtney, you can speak to this. I, I've, I do some weird things sometimes where I'll have like um, a bucket of, you know, chicken and a, a massive assortment of vegetables, and you see me put strawberries through them. Strawberries and oranges. Or oranges. Mm. Because grapes. To, be, uh, grapes, because for me it has that undercurrent of sweetness that I like, and mm. I still like it. Mm. I still have that that taste and that urge for sweetness. I'm just I'm just replacing the source of it.
1: Yes, and I think as well other flavours as well you can bring in. I think it's important when you do that just to experiment with all different textures and tastes and flavours. So like you, Matt, in those dishes often as well now you'll add things like chili paste. Yep. And different flavours that way. So you're getting that, you might get that hit of sweet, but you're also getting the the sour or the, the hot well, I do sort love of it. taste. I do
0: love sweet and savoury and often I mix my meals and yeah. sweet and savoury in the same meal to but get I that But I think hit. that
1: that's really important for a lot of people to do when you're fighting off calories is to keep making sure that you've got a bit of a sweetness, but you've also got a bit of a bitterness or, or sourness or a bit of heat in your food and it keeps your taste buds interested. Well,
0: yes. I mean, in the end... Whatever you crave, replace it. Yeah. Find an alternative solution. Don't cut it. Because cutting it cutting it will increase cravings.
1: And then, and then for me when when I started to cut down on my chocolate intake, I of course would try to just cut it all out, which was not never going to work. So what I did at the start when I was first starting off is I would just limit how many squares of chocolate I would have. So, And it wasn't a, a massive jump, it was just enough where I was starting to put boundaries in place for myself. So then the month after that I would limit again. And it didn't seem like a big chop, that's it, it's cut off, you're never having it again. Where I've got to the stage now where I could go an entire week and not have any chocolate at all. Or I might decide that I want a, a little bit but I and I am able just to have two squares and then I'm done. So that was a build-up that happened over a really long period of time too. And I never would have got there if I had have just said, no, that's it, no more chocolate again in my life. Mm. So I think as well, it, it comes down to as well how you start to change your eating habits as well and not just cutting things straight out, that especially you have that often that you're actually cutting down um gradually as well I think is important and then you know we live a healthy balanced lifestyle so yeah every so often I still have ice cream I still have chocolate but I can just have it and then it's fine I'm done now you know like I don't I don't crave it necessarily we might just be out for dinner and I might might just say hey do you want to share an ice cream after dinner okay
0: well, oh, that, that's like as a couple scene that we do.
1: Yeah, but it's not necessarily a craving. I don't go into that dinner thinking, I'm, yes, I'm going to have ice cream today. You know, I don't go out for dinner with the purpose of getting ice cream. I go out for dinner because I'm with, with Matt or I'm with friends and it just so happens that there's something on the sweets menu that I, lo- I like the look of and I think, yeah, okay, I'll have that. Mm. So that's where I think you can get to in the end as well.
0: Yeah, so, so the ultimate sort of success tip there because deprivation is the biggest thing that I've seen that cause people to have cravings is don't deprive, replace. Find ways to replace what you're sort of, you know, what's working against you. And we've seen that with our clients mm. where we strong we have always strongly encouraged them not to cut or deprive, but to replace. And the best feedback that, that I know that I get from clients, especially um, that have battled with cravings for a long time, is when they say things to me like, "I don't have cravings anymore." Yeah. Which means we successfully replaced those things. Yes. But we've replaced them with things that are satisfying, you know, their their desires, but are also congruent with with their goals. Yes. Because I've noticed that the deprivation leading to these this sort of cravings and these this binge eating is a surefire way to completely sabotage someone's transformation. Mm. And that's that.
1: That's that. That's the last one. Yeah. Last trigger. Awesome. Oh, well, I hope this conversation about cravings has helped, shed some light on the topic and given you something to think about in terms of what triggers you and what success plans you can put in place to try to... uh, Start the process of ch- changing those.
0: Yes, yeah, so we would appreciate feedback on that in terms of anything that you've been struggling with with your own cravings and implementing any of these success tips. Uh, email us, podcast at theweightlosspodcast.com or message us through Facebook. We would like to hear how you've gone with these because we found these, um, these strategies to be helpful either for both Courtney and I personally or for our clients. Mm. And it's led to some great success. Uh, speaking of emailing us, it's time for an email, Courtney. Thank you very much. <laughs> Podcast at theweightlosspodcast.com is where you can email us or you can get us at theweightlosspodcast on Facebook. We have an email here, Courtney, from Zara.
1: Thank you, Zara, for sending in your email.
0: Uh, dear Matt and Courtney, I like how she used my name first. Thank you very <laughs> much. Dear Matt and Courtney, just wanted to first start with how much I love your podcast. Stumbled upon it trying to find a podcast to listen to on Spotify. Um, You are inspiring, funny, and truthful. I really appreciate your no bullshit and realistic approach to weight loss. Fuck yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. Righto, now to the meat of it. I wanted to know your opinions on intermittent fasting. For example, eating one meal a day with your entire macro calorie nutrient goal in that meal or only eating, for example, from 2pm to 6pm. I've been reading a fair bit about it and it seems like something that is a good fit for me. However, I've heard you guys talk about not skipping breakfast and I usually don't find myself that hungry until around midday. Anyway, just wanted to know your opinions on intermittent fasting whether you think it's a good thing to do or not, thank you, love, yes, love, Zara. Thank you, Zara. We love you too.
1: Thank you, Zara. Great question. Matt, you know a bit about intermittent fasting.
0: I do. Uh, Righto. We actually don't have an opinion on intermittent fasting. Why is that? Why is that? We've never done it.
1: No, we've never done it.
0: Courtney and I um, have got to this stage um, with ourselves and with all our clients by not not doing that. So to me, looking at intermittent fasting is the same way I would look at anything else. One, does it address how I look, function and feel?
2: Mm.
0: Two, can I sustain it? The only way to know if it's good for you, honestly, is the old suck it and see approach. Mm -hmm. Is do it, and if it works and you can sustain it, and there's no negative side effects, you're under a winner. Me, personally, there is no fucking way I could sustain it. No. Because of how I've built my metabolism up, and I think you'll be the same now, Courtney, as well, I get too hungry. Yeah. And we've just spoken about in this um, episode about cravings.
1: Yeah, that's why for me it would be unsustainable. So, yeah, I definitely think that that is great advice, Matt, to look at the sustainability of it. So I couldn't sustain that. It wouldn't work for me. And therefore, I wouldn't even try to do it. But then also, if you did decide to try it, I think that to keep in mind to really, really think about how it's making you function how it's making you feel, and how it's making you look. Whereas I think a lot of people just focus on the look.
0: How, or how, many, how much weight have I lost? Yeah,
1: but how you function and how you feel play a big part because they, they are the two that often determine the sustainability of something. So if it's not helping the way that you function and the way that you feel, then the the sustainability value is is pretty much going to be probably non-existent. Well, it's doing
0: to fail then because it's a diet. So yep. I think to myself... Um, for example, having a day, if I were to have one meal a day, I would not want to be doing a training session that day. I'd have nothing in the tank. Well, My workouts would suck.
1: One meal a day and then it's going to have to be quite a large meal or it's going to have to be very, very energy dense to be able to cover the calories that you would need. Um, yeah.
0: And no. Having having just spoken about as well um, deprivation leading to cravings. Yeah. Uh, and binging, I know how this would affect me. And I know how this would affect the clients that we work with. So I would say, Zara, you try this and see how you handle it. Me personally, I'm not going to do it because I know I would bomb out. Um, But also, I don't have to do it. Just because what Courtney and I have done to get to this stage, we haven't had to do that.
1: I I honestly don't, for me, I don't see the point in doing it losing weight and changing my body shape through not eating when I can do it through eating. Wow, well well said, Courtney. Which has always been my thing. I've always been a lover of food. I love food. I love to eat.
0: What are our our bodies built for? And
1: I I feel good when I eat good food. And if I can get the same result, eating food... Then I would rather do that because I know that's sustainable for me.
0: And in terms of what you said, Zara, um, you don't find that you're hungry till around midday. That's because your metabolism's slow.
1: Yeah, it's very um, normal for people that are not used to eating before. Well, also, because they
0: haven't got a fast metabolism yet. Mm. Courtney, what are we like when we first wake up in the morning? It's starving. Ravenous.
1: But in saying that, I never used to always be like that. I well, did have to. What do you think I was? No, we both had to change our behavior in terms of the mornings and a lot of people find that they do as well and a lot of people do find that they think it's going to be very difficult but again you you start with small steps and then you can build it up from there If if you did want to change your eating patterns and say no okay I'm going to go with the eating more food approach then you can just change change one thing and allow that to become a habit, and then move up and move up and move up, and then you find that your body will kick in and you will be hungry in the yeah, morning. Yeah,
0: so the the not getting hungry to midday is the sign the sign of a depressed and slow metabolism. Um, we get that a lot with our clients, so we you know obviously, obviously get them gradually. Um, doing, you know, structured training, especially weight training, is a very easy and fast way to increase one's metabolism um, and just encouraging them to start to feed their body. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where the, the lack of hunger till midday comes from. Um, but overall answering answering this question, we wouldn't do it. We haven't had to do it. So why why do it?
1: I think the other thing just to keep in mind is to be careful with intermittent fasting days um, and exercise.
0: Well, I said that before. Like I wouldn't want to... Can you imagine trying to do our leg day on one meal?
1: Well, not only would it just not work out to be very good in terms of performance, it wouldn't work out to be very good in terms of getting benefit from the exercise. Oh, for
0: sure. If you're not, for example, if you're um, if you're having one meal a day and you're having it, say, in the morning and you're doing a training session in the afternoon, you're robbing, you're, well, you're taking away most of the effectiveness of the training session. Because the thing is, your body is not changing during the training. The training is just a stimulus. Yes. What you put into your body and how you rest and sleep it and feed it dictates what occurs from the training sessions. So to me, um, having a training session followed by not having much food is one step forward, two steps back because you're damaging your body and not giving it what it needs to recover Yeah. And you know, to promote you know, getting stronger, gaining muscle, burning fat. So I'd say for you, Zara, if you um, use Zara, have a crack at it if you want to, uh, we wouldn't do it. We wouldn't recommend it just because we haven't had to. There's yeah. always more than one way to skin a cat and there are multiple ways to lose weight. We've just found that the way we've done it and the way that our clients do it, there's just we just haven't had the need to do that.
2: No.
0: So uh, that is that. Our podcast at theweightlosspodcast.com is where you can reach us or again, please get us through Facebook. That's a wrap.
1: That's a wrap.
0: That's an episode in the can. Well done to us. High five. Boom. (laughs) Wait, where is it? Wait. There it is. Thank you very much. Courtney, well done. Good job out of you. Thank you. So hopefully this has helped. We would appreciate your feedback and your thoughts. We will speak to you soon.
1: Awesome. Bye. Get more free tips. Listen to previous episodes and contact Matt and Courtney at theweightlosspodcast.com.